You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. The kind of place we expect a ghost like to wander. Hey, we all know that we're going to die, baby. I'll help you. I'm something of a witch. Welcome to Mission Spooky. I am your fantastic host, JC. With me today, as per usual, the queen of everything herself. Kiki, and our local cryptid enthusiast, Cord. How are you guys doing today? You're not in Pennsylvania. No, I'm not. So my audio might not be terrific because I don't have my normal setup. Uh, Let's apologize for that off the bat. I'm sorry. Where are you today, JC? I am uh, near Niagara Falls, uh, New York. I went to go see the falls the other day. It was fun. Shannon and I celebrated our third year being together. Uh, I know it's crazy. (laughs) Just profuse vomiting in the background. I know. (laughs) You guys are so cute. It's disgusting. I know. We went to the Botanical Gardens up here. That's how we started our day. And that was very nice. I liked the room with the fishies in it because I'm simple. (laughs) But yeah, let's go see a bunch of plants. Oh, they got fishies too? (laughs) Fucking win. (laughs) And then from there we went to a place for wings, because if you're in Buffalo, New York, you're gonna eat buffalo wings. Yep. And I'm gonna recommend this place. It's shit fuck. <laughs> that sounds like the place for me, bud. <laughs> shit, shit fuck buffalo wings. <laughs> Hell yeah. Gabriel's Gate. Oh, damn. Now that sounds like... So, what mm. you mean to tell me is that, again... The media has been lying to me my whole life. And buffalo wings are not called that because they come off of a buffalo. Because, I mean, they're in all the fucking commercials. They don't talk about Buffalo, New York. They have buffalo in the commercials. Is this another hashtag fake news situation going on? Do we have to contact the media about this? I assume Buffalo, New York has let's say, an expert on the matter, I will do the research. I will go and I will eat as many wings as necessary to get to the bottom of where buffalo wings came from. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Am I going to have to do this? God damn it. So in 1964, the Bellissimo family, who owned a small restaurant called the Anchor Bar in Buffalo, New York, developed buffalo wings. You're welcome. So... That didn't answer the question. They're chicken. What? Yeah. What are they scared of, though? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I had the opportunity, and I took it. (laughs) Also, we went to Tim Hortons, which is not near where we live. You can literally throw a rock in any direction and hit a fucking Tim Hortons up this way. So, that being said, how many hockey players did you see at the Tim Hortons, buddy? 
Uh, I've only been through their drive throughs so I haven't, I don't know. All right, so that's the show. <laughs> yep, that's the show. Uh, don't die, and if you do, contact us. <laughs> what a great, easy subject to tackle. Buffalo Wings. Great episode. So something came up on Twitter, guys, that I really have to complain about just for a moment. Take it back to Pennsylvania here for a second. Dear Pennsylvania, if you're going to name a place in this state after another place that's in France, then you need to pronounce it like they do in France. Okay? It is not Versailles. It's Versailles. Honestly. You can say Duquesne. It's not Duquesne. Right? For some reason, you can say Duquesne, but you can't say Versailles. Pittsburgh, I'm telling you right now, you don't get to decide how to say Versailles if you're going to name it after Versailles in France. There. I said it. I said what Why I said. Why do tell them how you really feel, bud? Now let's talk about murder. I want to talk about murder. <laughs> JC right now is only five, no, well, yeah, about five hours away from the place that we're going to talk about today. JC on the scene. I'm near it, but okay. It's only four hours and 58 minutes from where you are currently. Just upset that JC had to leave his house knowing that we were going to do this. Like, why didn't you, like, quit your job? Yeah, goddammit. Cancel your life to help us here, man. What the fuck? Um, yeah, I, I know. I'm very selfish. <laughs> Extremely, I would say. <laughs> okay, so so the bottom line is that JC doesn't want to travel the four hours and 58 minutes to this site. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> I mean, if you would have told me before recording that it was within five hours, I would have told you no. <laughs> the answer still would have been no. <laughs> And also the right time of year, apparently, too, since it's like super cold outside. It is super fucking cold up here. I hate it. <gasps> That's, it's super cold here. We had false spring, as we like to call it, or spring of deception. <laughs> it was like 70 degrees for two days, and then it turned into 21. But hey, murder. Murder is my middle name. Let's get on to it. Before we get to the murder. God damn it. This is important. This episode, which is going to be episode 74, will be our last one for about four weeks for the regular show because we are getting ready to do a pretty big, possibly couple of episodes on XRI, PA German, and Dutch magic. And this is a Patreon requested theme. And also we have a listener who had written to me a while back and kind of wanted us to kind of delve into it a little bit more. So now's a good time. We're going to take kind of a little spring break. Going to Miami. Yeah, I'm going to Miami. This will tie in really well with Hexerai. In episode 41, we'd already covered Pennsylvania hex murder of Nelson Raymeyer. And then in my side mission number three, I covered the final hex murder in Pennsylvania, which is the Witch of Ringtown. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. And this episode, we cover... Another hex murder. This one occurs before the Hex Hollow murder, and it is the unfortunate demise of a well-liked German farmer named George Markert. So when we get back from our little commercial break here, we're going to delve into the Hex Scare murder in New York and the ghost of the Stone Arch Bridge at Canosa Lake. Welcome back. What a great commercial that was put together by us. Oh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. You're the fucking worst. I sure am. You know, it's been a while since we actually did a, a 
it feels like it's been a long time since we recorded an episode together because JC missed out. Uh, no, who missed out? I missed out. You missed out. You missed out on Paul's ropes and stuff, and I'm very disappointed because I think you would have found that hysterical. I know. I haven't actually even listened to the episode yet. I had a lot of fun editing that because I had kind of forgotten about Paul's ropes and stuff. It made me laugh all over again. <laughs> For this one, I pulled from several places, including the genealogy of the families in this story. But this story and others can be found in a book called Murder and Mayhem in the Catskills by John Conway. And I might pull a couple other fun stories from this book to do from New York, because I know, I know we kind of focus on Pennsylvania, but a lot of Pennsylvanians spend summers up in the Catskills. So I feel like there's kind of an interesting connection there. And then, of course, with JC being like, you know, four hours and 58 minutes away from the place that we're talking about. Why are we being so oddly specific about the time? Like, four hours and 58 minutes. We can just round up. Too fucking long. <laughs> Too fucking far away. Because four hours, it's just, you lead it with the four hours. It's like a, something that's three ninety nine. <laughs> it's still too far. Like, even four I hours. Know. I know. I know. Too far. Well, it just gives some of our foreign listeners uh, an idea of the fact that, yeah, it takes almost five hours to get from Buffalo, New York to the Catskills, New York. And you're not even you're not even at New York City yet. You know, like, I think it's another two hours from the Catskills to New York City. Now, I have, oh, fuck. Let's see if I'm right. Oh, two hours and 30 minutes with traffic right now. So, so yeah, it takes a long time to drive across these states. Anywho. So, JC, if you were going to go there, it'd be at the intersection <laughs> Of Route 52 and Route 52A, near Jeffersonville, New York, lies the beautifully constructed Stone Arch Bridge. Yeah, I'll just get walking. Yep. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there, by the, obviously, by the time we're done recording this episode. It spans the East Bridge of the Calicoon Creek, which is a major tributary of the Delaware River. And it was constructed in 1872 by German immigrants, the Hempt brothers, Henry and Philip. Little did they know that their bridge would be the site of a hex murder 20 years later. Could you imagine if they did know, though? Yeah, right? Like, they made it on purpose. <laughs> like, I bet someone's going to die on this bridge. <laughs> From a hex murder. <laughs> Talk about being specific, right? Like, that's super yeah. specific. The wording on the historic marker here suggests that several hex murders took place in New York, but actually this is the only one. In the Canosa Lake community, George Markert was known as an affable German immigrant originally from the region of Saxony. In 1860, at the age of 26, he married 18-year-old Carolina Height, also a German immigrant the Markerts and Heights were neighbors and very close friends. Genealogical records indicate that Carolina passed away sometime after the age of 27, having been married to George for at least 10 years. She and George had six children, and even though George remarried after Carolina's death, the Heights and the Markerts remained very close. There was somehow, however, some disparity in success between the two families, and you guys are going to love this story because it pretty much mirrors the Nelson Raymeyer murder when it comes to farming. I had labeled that one as sometimes you're just a terrible farmer. And well, here we go again. Markert was a smart and savvy penny pincher. He worked at a tannery for a long time until he had saved up enough money so that he and Carolina could purchase a tract of land from her family. George's farm was prosperous and he and Carolina were living a very comfortable lifestyle. 
George was interested in new waves of farming, and he used every tool at his disposal to gain the successes that he had. While the Heights, as a whole, were generally well off, George's brother-in-law, Adam Height, was not so fortunate. See, he did not like any kind of new technology. He had uh, kind of a hatred for the progress in the farming industry. He wanted everything to remain as it was, so to speak. He was an old school, and unfortunately, that shaped his ineffective business. And after Carolina's death, the two men basically drifted apart. They had nothing else in common other than George having married Carolina. After she was gone, there was nothing that really kept them together as even friends. Adam Height and his wife Barbara were described by their neighbors as being extremely superstitious, and they raised their five kids to be pretty much like them. Adam was described as being uneducated, somewhat of a dullard, and his refusal to use any new farming methods or machines kept him from being a better business owner. So George's farm prospers, and Adam starts taking a steady downward turn. And for some reason, he decides that the failure of his business slash farm is the work of the devil and some kind of dark magic has been put against him. Seeing George prosper on roughly the same land, again, that sounds familiar, he becomes convinced that George is a hexenmeister or wizard and has placed a curse on him. I love that it can't just be like, I have poor work ethic. It has to be Satan, and this other guy has to be doing magic. And it can't just once again be good work ethic. He puts seed in ground, <laughs> plant grow. I put seed in ground, plant don't grow. Clearly, it's Satan. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So he believed that the curse was activated when George had given him a hug at a family function and had patted him on the back three times. He then had further figured out that the curse would be activated whenever George did anything mundane three times in a row. Like he could spit on the ground three times in a row or he could pull on his beard three times in a row or he could tap his foot three times in a row and then suddenly Adam would have bad luck. Adam decides to confront George about the curse and George thinks the whole thing is laughable. Maybe not the best reaction to someone who's possibly already like super paranoid to literally laugh at them but this is apparently what happened but i'm sorry what are you supposed to do i think you're doing magics to make your greens grow you're gonna laugh no i just i just work 15 hours a day i see you out in the field only like three hours but then again you know i could be losing track because i'm attending my crops not paying attention to my neighbors because I'm successful. Yeah, and and honestly, it almost sounds like maybe the the flip side of or like the opposite, where George is using new methods and and new things that might actually be not only improving his farm, but he's doing it faster, right? So he's actually not spending as much time, but he's using the new technologies and new machinery to do things, right? Good for him. Right. And then Adam is like, no, I'm stuck in the past and I'm going to work the 18 hours a day and I still can't get it done. It's like, I can understand where it might be frustrating. But then why wouldn't you go to George and be like, hey, I'm failing and I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but you're doing well. Can you help me? Because they're brother-in-laws. It's not like they hated each other from the beginning or anything like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, so obviously the two men grow apart because of this. And um, 
Adam begins sending letters to George rather than face him again. And the letters begin with Adam begging George to remove the curse, which, again, George, he doesn't actually laugh at some of it. He's, he's more like, I have no idea what to do about this because I don't believe in this and I didn't do it. So what the hell am I supposed to do about something that I did not do? The letters become darker until one of the final ones that uh, threatens vengeance against him if things do not improve. And as one would expect, life for Adam did not improve as he spiraled deeper into his paranoia. And even his physical health begins to decline, battling bouts with severe pain in his joints, which sometimes comes out of nowhere for him. These were times that he would believe that George must be knocking three times somewhere, and that's why I'm having this pain. When his cows started to produce bloody milk, Adam becomes completely unhinged. Now, if you're curious, like me, uh, I did find out why this would occur in a cow, and it seems pretty straightforward. I'm not a veterinarian by any stretch of the imagination, but I do know enough that I wasn't too far off of what I thought it might be. I was like, well, maybe it's a bacterial infection, and that turns out to be one of the things. It's a like a mammary gland infection that can be treated with antibiotic, very simple. Another time is after a cow was given birth recently, sometimes blood will just kind of show up in the milk, but that will usually dissipate after about two weeks. The last one, and I wasn't sure about it because I didn't, I really wasn't in my mind, but it does turn out that a rough treatment during the milking process, yeah, uh, it's not Satan. <laughs> Dang. So what you're saying is Adam was real, real angrily like milking his cows. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. God, <laughs> curses on my land. This poor Adam guy. Rather than go, you know, seek out medical reasons or even check his own milking methods. Must be Satan. Yeah, Adams decided that this is uh, all the work of the curse and that George would have to go. Of course. On the evening of January 17th, 1892, George Markert headed to Hemp's Hotel for a nightcap. And you might remember that Hemp's, that last name, or the same family that built the bridge that George will walk over later. Ooh. Adam Height followed him there, and the two men enjoyed a few drinks before witnesses said they left together, seemingly in good spirits. As the men crossed the stone arch bridge over Calicoon Creek, Adam's eldest son, 22-year-old Joseph Height, jumped out from the shadows. The two had previously determined that George would need to be killed in three different ways in order to break the curse, and that doing the deed over running water would help make him magically powerless. That is an old folktale, by the way, guys, that if you have a witch or a wizard and they stand over running water, uh, which goes back to other creatures too, like vampires, for example, things like that. This comes up a lot where running water makes someone magically powerless. So he's going he's going with that old folk tradition on this one. Interesting. He's done his research. <laughs> yeah, on that, but not on why cows give bloody milk, you know? Nah, he was too busy <laughs> doing research Fuck. on on how to take away magic. <laughs> and I like that he got his son involved. I like to think he has like one of those big conspiracy boards in his barn. Just everything with like yarn. Why don't plants grow? And everything's just leading back to a, I want to say picture, but it, it can't be like a photograph. It's like a grapply drawn picture of George. <laughs> 
uh, everything leads to George. Well, yeah, if you put all the strings that way, sure. Well, <laughs> poor Adam. <laughs> poor Adam. Fuck this guy. No, because like he he obviously has something going on there. He's he's not possibly. He's not all right. We can only guess what George was thinking in these last moments of his life, standing on the bridge in the winter cold, facing two men who he had considered family for so long. The men grabbed George's walking stick, a heavy old table leg that he used, and bludgeoned him in the head, rendering him unconscious. He was then shot five times in the face with a thirty-eight caliber revolver. And lastly, he was thrown into the swiftly running waters of the creek to, quote, drown him. The three types of killing were completed, and the two men walked home, believing their troubles would be over. And thinking that they did a good job. That's why I say, fuck Adam. Also, I like how, like, the other bargoers were like, oh, yeah, they were in good spirits. Because Adam was like, yes, I'm getting rid of this goddamn curse tonight. Like, yes, not like good spirits, like, ah, oh, I'm hanging out with George, a good old buddy, brother-in-law of mine. Nah, just like, I got a plan. He's gonna die three times. He's not gonna be able to use his crazy magics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, a few days later, the barely recognizable body of George Markert was found in the creek a quarter mile from the bridge. Of course, there's no doubt that he was murdered. During the examination of the corpse, Sullivan County Coroner, I'm not going to say his name because it's, it's <laughs> his name's John Dicker. And I just, <sighs> go I'm ahead. sorry, what? John, what? John, it's either Dicker or Diker. <sighs> I'd like to think it's Dicker. <laughs> nah, I, I don't know. It's a Y, so I'm not really sure. He found a packet of the letters written by Adam to George spelling out the concern over the curse and ending with the ominous letter spelling out possible, quote, consequences if the curse wasn't lifted. Still on George. He died with those letters on him. Talk about possible bad luck when it comes to trying to cover something up. Wow. I still can't get over the fact that he actually found... Like, these letters were on his person. So, yeah, either George was walking around with these letters in his pocket, or was Adam that stupid to put him on his body and then toss? I just... I like to think George had him on him, just, like, as a conversation piece. Like, hey, you want to see the crazy shit my neighbor thinks? Here yeah. we go. My brother-in-law, too. Like, not even just neighbor. It's just so yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 this this dude sucks at plants and he thinks I'm the problem. <laughs> he thinks I summon Satan and stuff. I just have a tractor and that's it. Well, as we've learned, people with tractors are pretty powerful. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, for real. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so, of course, Adam and his two sons, Joseph and 20-year-old John, were immediately rest arrested. John was able to produce an alibi and was released, but Adam and Joseph were charged with murder and sent to the county jail in Monticello. As I stated before, Adam and his sons were not exactly the brightest folks in the community. Upon searching the Heights barn, funny that you mentioned barn, 
The police were able to find the revolver dashed under some hay bales, as well as the bloodstained clothes belonging to the two men. Oh, so not a board of conspiracy. <laughs> no, just the actual smoking gun. Yeah, yeah actual smoking gun. <laughs> Terrific. And then, of course, there were all the witnesses in the area that knew all about the supposed curse that Adam insisted George had put on him. Oh, you yeah. Know. So George was definitely talking about, like, showing people these letters, being like, yo, Adam's insane. Check this shit out. <laughs> I pretty much feel like, yes, that's, that's a very good possibility, yes. I mean, that's, that seems like a pretty reasonable response when someone accuses you of, like, <laughs> cursing your land. It's like, dude, check this shit out. <laughs> Look how stupid this is. Adam's unhinged, and I have letters to prove it. DA Melvin Couch. I had to pause for a moment because I recognize that name, Melvin Couch. He is going to have an episode all of his own. Are we going to talk about how couches were made? Is that why? Mm, No. He's a very interesting person. That while this occurs in New York, uh, it definitely we'll 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 call it a peculiar New York episode because this guy, man, he, yeah, it it, it requires an episode. It's pretty it's pretty fucked up. Anyway, so D. A. Melvin Couch charges both father and son with second degree murder. Neither defended themselves in court. Okay, so not they did not go on the stand to defend themselves, but Joseph had claimed that he acted in self defense that he was protecting himself against a practitioner of dark magic. He tried doing an insanity plea. No. <laughs> Cuz that's what that sounds like. It sounds like that. Um however, the uh they didn't they didn't believe that anyway, so he got a life sentence for the murder. However, he only served 15 years of that at uh, Danamora prison, which is now renamed, I can't remember the name, but it's like something county. Uh, prison but it used to be dan it's in danamora but it used to just be danamora prison so he served 15 years upon his early release however he lived out the remainder of his life without incident most people saying that without his father's influence he probably would have never lifted a finger to hurt anyone it did kind of sound like that to me too that his father was unfortunately a very bad influence on him and you know a lot of people just like with the raymeyer murder those younger boys they just did what the older guy told them to do because they thought it was the right thing to do. They didn't question their elders on it. You know, they literally thought they were doing the right thing. I suppose. As for Adam Height, on June 1st of 1893, Judge Firstman declared him insane and sent him to Middleton State Hospital. He claimed several times that his pain and suffering were at an end now that George was dead. So he's someone who was at peace with what he had done and said that he, you know, felt better after the deed was over. So in his own mind, he was cursed and the curse had been lifted. At the age of 48, though, just five years after his sentence, Adam died on July 23rd, 1897 of, quote, chronic melancholia. I, too, suffer from chronic melancholia. (laughs) The aftermath of this. So the bridge remained open to vehicular traffic until 1955. It is now open to pedestrian traffic only and is the focal point of an eight-acre county park, Kenosa Lake, that features a woodland walk, and there's fishing rights there. There's a playground. The stone bridge, this one, is the most popular of the three stone bridges in the area, and it is on the National Registry of Historic Places. And it's no wonder 
that it is the most frequently visited stone bridge because almost immediately after his death, the community of Canosa Lake began seeing the apparition of George Marker walking along the bridge. And they say on the coldest winter nights, he has been seen pausing for a moment and gazing into the waters of the creek, perhaps wondering how he came to such a cruel and unjustified end. I wish I had cursed Adam. <laughs> I wish I knew how magic fucking worked. <laughs> yeah. At that point, it was, I'd be like, well, I, I wish this was like for an actual reason, you know? Right? I mean, wow. I I hate this story. I hate it. I hate it for many reasons, but it's one of those like some poor dude just doing the best he possibly can working his ass off for every single thing that he got. A nice dude, like everybody liked him. There's nothing I could find nothing about anybody saying anything bad about him. Even, you know, the the little snippets of newspaper articles I could find. There were three stories altogether, but uh Conway's I feel like it's probably the closest to it and and John Conway hadn't also not mentioned anything negative about George either. I've found the genealogy web pages for the Heights and the Markerts did some cross-referencing on how old everybody was and made sure the death dates and everything were correct because some of the stories actually had the wrong year. So, yeah, it's it just sucks. It's like, God, this, this guy worked his ass off and then some somebody who definitely had some kind of paranoia for sure just ruins his life and kills him in a most heinous way. <laughs> I mean, as if all, you know, all murders are heinous to me, but just, damn, honestly. And then you get your son involved in it. I mean, it sucks. Again, about Melvin Couch, um, he does have a really crazy story. I am sort of working on a side mission for him. Probably it'll fall under history, I think, honestly, like a historical figure, because it's not enough to be like a full episode. And I'll probably release that one at the $3 level early, like I've been, like I've done in the past. And I know it's been like a year. I haven't really done side missions because... A lot of times the side missions wind up turning into more than I anticipated and then they turn into like whole full episodes. So, you know, <laughs> we got that like this one. This was started out as a side mission until I was like, this is actually a haunting. This is not even just a murder, you know, and it also involves the the hex stuff. And there will be one side mission before the DA one, though. That's going to include the last of the hex scare murders before the Witch of Ringtown. One is like the final one in Pennsylvania. And uh, that way we've covered pretty much all of the cursing type murders that occurred between New York and Pennsylvania. And then we'll get into the magic part of it. So fucking sick. We'll have another special guest returning to Mission Spooky to talk about something fun. Dun, dun, dun. Do we ever talk about something that's not fun, though? This isn't really fun. Yeah, I don't, I don't think this is a fun one. <laughs> I had fun. I don't know. That's because JC is like sitting in a hotel for the last month being like, oh, God, this sucks so bad. We had fun like shitting on the dude, but I mean, the situation yeah. was fun. That's fair. Okay. I'll allow it. All right. I actually have my shit together today. So our featured music for today is from a band called The Palest Gray out of Orlando, Florida with their song In This Room. This actually just doesn't feel right for me. Can you say, like, can you go through? Because it's been so long since you've had a band picked out. This doesn't feel right for me. 
I need you to do it like you don't know what band. <laughs> like, I have to be like, oh, god you damn it, I forgot. Look around on some things and go, ah, oh, shit, I, need to, I didn't even fucking... Let's just go with this random one. <laughs> just to make it feel a little more natural. <laughs> wow. Casey yeah. feels safe in Buffalo if he's dunking on you that hard, huh? I know, right? I'm no longer in the valley that you over. I'm no longer <laughs> afraid of the queen. <laughs> I'm out of her. <laughs> I do not reside among her lands. <laughs> I'm no longer afraid. <laughs> you just better not come back. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll smuggle you back in, JC. Don't worry. I know. Thanks, baby. Maybe I'll uh, give you up to the queen if she pays me enough. Oh, yeah, I'd 100% like assume you would betray me. I'll take a bribe to betray you, but I'll split the money with you. Ah, deal. 50-50. Ah, good. (laughs) And you could be the richest ghost. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know what? This is actually, I'll be honest with you. If I I truly am speaking as queen, this is not a gallows situation. This is a... uh... This is a stocks situation. Oof. Yeah, stocks are up right now, so I don't know. I don't know anything about the economy. So I'll smuggle him in. I'll immediately betray him. I'll take the bribe money, split it with him two ways, and then I will be the one throwing tomatoes at him in the stocks. (laughs) But it could be like tomatoes that you guys grow in in your farms, gardens. There'll be a couple hot peppers in there, just hoping I get those no! like, in, his, in his eye or something. I no longer like this. <laughs> so yeah, guys, the cat's out of the bag. Sometimes I don't have the music quite ready to go. Like I have an idea of who I want to play, but... <sighs> Not specific songs, per se. Yeah, sometimes I pick them out like on the fly. But this one I actually had picked out already. So ha! The Palest Gray from Orlando, Florida. Their song is In This Room. Now, the cool thing is the whole album was put together during the pandemic. I think it's great. It reminds me a lot of Christian death. So if you guys out there, my little goth people, my little goth kids, they love Christian death. You guys are going to love this band. Uh, The music is available on Bandcamp. You'll see that we actually not only bought it, but we reviewed it too. And you can follow Palace Gray on Instagram as well. And when we get back, we'll do quick Spooky Squad news. What? Welcome back from that delightful uh, musical entertaining bit. 
So speaking of peppers, the pepper plants are coming up really nicely. They're going in your eyes. They're going and in then your they're eyes. gonna they're gonna go right in JC's eye. <laughs> Especially that Naga. Oh no, that one doesn't sound nice. Oh, and the death spiral. I love that I love that I got death spiral for free. It was a, a freebie from the Etsy store that I bought them from. I love Etsy stores. I recently got mystery dice. This hat obviously has nothing to do with you guys and your gardens, but um, I got like little packs of mystery dice and one of them's like glow in the dark and they're all fantastic. I'm so happy. But yeah, that's it. That's my story. I have done <laughs> a blind bag from foam brain dice. I think that's on the on our TikTok. Uh, that was okay. fun. Yeah. They did a great job. And it, it's a metal. I got a metal die. It's beautiful. And it, it's uh, sparkly silver. And it has a snowflake as the 20. So it's like the uh, Christmas Christmas die. And it's heavy as hell. Oh, my God. It's like, boom, baby. I've never personally gotten anything off of Etsy. But uh, the one person in my D- D&D group for Christmas the one year got me a dice bag. And it was really cool because it has a unicorn on the front of it. And it, it was it was a fantastic gift, and I still use it as my dice bag, even though it's very tiny. Oh, little tiny with unicorns on it. Everybody has these giant sacks of dice, and I have this little, like, coin purse dice bag. Essentially, it's big enough for, you know, half of my dice. I don't even care. I, I use it. Because it has a unicorn on it. Unicorns roll. Technically a cryptid. I don't know. Should we do cord versus unicorn? Oh, I would never fight such a beautiful thing. <laughs> Be cord saves unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> I would be fighting everybody who even witnessed the unicorn existence. Just you must be a secret forever. Right, so we haven't really done any actual plugs lately, so um, thank you to our latest Patreon subscriber, Meg, in case I didn't mention it before. Meg is awesome. We also had Bobby and Alyssa sign up recently, so thank you again. And then we have our our old standbys uh, for years and years, you know, people who've been with us for almost from the beginning. Uh, why are you still with us? <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. I love, I love you guys. <laughs> Obviously, keep giving us money. Eh? Anonymous, Mel, Anonymous. Mitch, Kata, thank you. And Jeremy, whatever. Hey. <laughs> Say the best for last. I specifically want to take JC's Patreon money and spend it to spite JC specifically. Like, spend it on what? I don't know. Oh, you can send me a glitter bomb. Yeah, stuff like that. That that sounds fun. (laughs) I was informed that there is a um, Bigfoot festival in West Virginia. Just FYI. Okay. I cannot attend. Are you saying that uh, we're going to be making a trip? I don't know. It's up to you guys. Country roads. Take <laughs> me home. To the place. I belong. West Virginia. 
Bigfoot Mama. <laughs> Take me home. Nice. I'd go to the WV for a Bigfoot convention. Same. Uh, so yeah, if you want to join Patreon and be awesome like some of the folks that I've just mentioned, we have tiers at the $1, $3, and $5 level. $1 gets you uh, booper reels and also our archived older bonus bites episodes. We're slowly redoing those bonus bites episodes and putting the archived ones on Patreon. And then if you sign up for Spotify, uh, our premium content on Spotify, it's $1.99 a month and you get the added, the newer material too that we're working on. So since Core joined us in like after we started it, um, he's getting to, yeah, he's getting to redo those. So I'm helping. Yay. Uh, the $3 level gets you access to any like side missions that we're going to put out early. Man, I'll tell you, time is just not with me. It never is. I want to do all these things and I just can't seem to get to it. But anyway, uh, $3 still gets you any side missions that we put out early and access early access to certain big episodes like the Hexerai one that we're going to be working on. And that was voted on by our patrons and they will have access to it earlier than everybody else will oh yeah the $5 level I just recently started to figure out how to make that work now that we have a few more people that want to actually join in to our group discussions it looks like though the very first one that we're going to be doing and I'm going to be doing a charity discord conversation for Ukraine Otherwise, the $5 has been going towards saving up for exactly what we were kind of hoping after COVID that we could start going out on the road and uh, doing some fun stuff on the road. I'm so hyped to yeah, I know. just go do. Go do. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. It's all Mission Spooky. Also Facebook. Check out our Redbubble store. We've got some new items coming in and that includes a couple of i got basically got rid of a lot of the old crappy designs that i didn't really like and uh just sticking with our artwork from chris stone our artist and also our new artist ash who's doing some really cute designs she already did the la lechuza and then alba twitch will be up shortly along with chris's design for alba twitch as well Thank you so much for listening. Episode 74 already. I can't freaking believe it. So stay spooky and don't die. But if you do, contact us. If you could please spell your messages out via Buffalo Wings. Thank you. I'd appreciate it.
Siento el frío que quema lento Siento el fuego que congela todo mi cuerpo